0: to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so that people who
1: need social work get help that will transform their lives. I'm Jerry. And I'm Jo. And this is our second podcast for September 2020. We are recording it on Friday, the 11th of the 9th. And um, our first podcast of the month was about the ingredients of a great social worker. And that was looking at the knowledge. We'd just like to um, thank you for continuing to listen to us. And we've had some really lovely comments, uh, one from Facebook, which was just about um, saying they'd listen to Series 5 on what makes a good social worker. And as a mature person thinking about joining the profession, I found this podcast really helpful and possibly confirming that this is the right way to go. It is the right way. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. We hope so. Yeah, it's a fantastic profession. Then there was someone based in Scotland. Um, I've just started listening to your podcast and I'm finding it really interesting. I'm a midwife and have started a new role caseloading pregnant women who have child protection issues. Um, I'm really pleased to hear that people from other professions are listening to the podcast and gaining something from it. I think social work has a huge range of knowledge and, and stuff to offer as, as actually does midwifery. So maybe we could have some exchanges. And then there's been someone from Boston um, and they just said, hello, I want to reach out and let you know how much I enjoy listening to your helpful social work podcast. I've been an avid listener this season and find the content of your podcast to be so wonderful and thoughtful. Thank you very much. Um, I think we we love thinking with each other and we're really pleased that people are enjoying that. And lastly, we have someone from the UK um, who's a social work assistant who just wanted to tell us how much they've enjoyed the podcast and talked about the fact that during the pandemic, I became hyper aware of the intense inequality and structural prejudice in UK society and felt a strong desire to change careers and support my local community. Fantastic. I was interested in social work and came across the podcast and it helped me to make the decision to get into social work and where to direct my work going forward. That is brilliant. Uh, you know, we, we we are so passionate about social work and the good that it can do. And I think that um, it's fantastic to hear about people being inspired to get into social work. Please do tell us what you think. And you can do this by visiting our website, which is www.helpfulsocialwork.com, or by commenting on iTunes or on our Facebook page, Helpful Social Work Podcast. So for the second
0: podcast of the month, we said we would talk about things that might be useful to social workers. We didn't have a particular plan for it. And what we've decided to talk about today is self-care. And just to kind of get things straight from the start, what we mean by that is how we look after ourselves within a system rather than locating a responsibility on an individual to look after themselves. And we'll get into that a bit more in a moment. Um, But COVID-19 has been really, um, really kind of um, prevalent and really kind of um, changing and affecting our lives for six months now. I've actually been at home for almost exactly six months. Um, Previously, I was out and about around the country. Um, And so when we look at what we know from social work in disasters, um, social work following it, kind of extreme events and the evidence around that, um, there are different phases to how we respond to unusual, uncertain kind of events. And there's a sort of immediate response. And then ordinarily, they would we would move into a more of a recovery restoration kind of phase where we'd be thinking about how we can adapt to a, a sort of a new normal, how we can reform, how we can um, learn and, and move on. And we are kind of in that phase, but we're also in a really tricky situation because the, this disaster. Um this this event is ongoing. Um it isn't static. Um it is, um in our, in the United Kingdom case numbers are going up again. Um so we still have the uncertainty around us whilst we're also getting into a phase where we have to be sustainable in some ways. You know, we have to be able to keep working. Um, and self care is important throughout um, any kind of Social work throughout any any particularly any kind of um disaster or crisis where we're trying to respond um but how we manage that self care when things remain really uncertainty uncertain i think is 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 very tricky for us um because we're recovering from grief and trauma while still experiencing threat and worry mm.
1: Yes, I think that's right, and um, I've been working with people and using Maslow's hierarchy of needs to talk about the different stages, and if you think about um, that particular piece of work and you think about that model, you can see that the first stage is all about your physiological safety, um, which is, am I getting enough food, water, shelter, all those types of things? And for some people, COVID has actually compromised some of that very basic level of safety, um, particularly around shelter. And then the next step is around safety. And I think that for all of us, um, safety has been compromised. You know, we're we're being told that it's dangerous out there, that we need to think about keeping ourselves safe. Um, we're being told that other people, gathering with other people is not always safe. And that then really impacts on the next step of um, the hierarchy of needs, which is social, our need for social interaction. And that's really been compromised um, and impacted upon. So those three very uh, basic steps, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy, uh, uh, have been very compromised. Um, and, And so I think it is helpful for us to realise that in this time there's been quite a profound challenge to the way that we're able to care for ourselves.
0: Yeah, and there's really good research to, to support that. And although it's something that we experience and we we kind of know, it is always good to go back to well, what data have we got? Um, how is that showing um, in in the research. So the Office of National Statistics, which is kind of my go-to place for um, UK statistics, that's um, that shows that for the first kind of month of the pandemic um, there's an ongoing opinions and lifestyle survey and there was a really big shift in the levels of anxiety in the population. Um, went up dramatically at that point um, and at that stage kind of early to mid-April about half of the adults um, from the sample that were being surveyed said that it's affecting, COVID-19 was affecting their well-being and they had high levels of anxiety um, and that actually um, one of the things that the Office of National Statistics then picked up as it went along is that anxiety levels peaked and then they started to reduce um, and people started to feel less anxious, um, a little less anxious, um, but it's still going on. So in June Um, equivalent of 19 million adults in the UK reporting high anxiety compared with 25 million in the early days of the lockdown. But one of the other things that the Office of National Statistics highlighted is that the increased anxiety was being felt by those who wouldn't necessarily have felt anxious before as well. So people who would normally feel quite stable and secure um, were were reporting a big change. Um, And so that's really quite, Interesting, um, particularly around kind of anxiety and loneliness. So people who wouldn't have experienced that previously, because they would have been out at work, they would have been at home with their families, they would have been socialising, um, were finding actually that that they were experiencing
1: anxiety and loneliness in a way that they hadn't before. Mm. And the other thing it highlighted was um, people who are married or in civil partnerships, homeschooling, and um, this in combination with other pressures. Um, perhaps being asked to work from home or to fit homeschooling around going out to work um, could have accounted for the unusual level of anxiety in that group. And I think for me, that would certainly be borne out um, in the encounters that I've been having with people um, where they've been talking about feeling completely distracted all the time and like they're not doing anything well, so not parenting well, not working well, not attending to their partners well because everything's really been mashed together. And then interestingly, of course, as school's gone back, the next effect that people have been talking to me about has been a bit of grief and loss because families have been together for six months, which in our society is actually unusual for people to be together every day for six months. And some people have found emptiness in their home um, where they were used to having their, their um, children gathered around. So um, I, th- I think that's interesting as well. There's, it seems to me one of the things that COVID's doing is it's requiring us to make profound adjustments in the way we relate to each other socially and the way we live our life frequently. And I don't know how well suited we are for that, Jerry. I don't know how well our emotional and social brain does with that, you know, um, because we're trying to calibrate ourselves all the time, aren't we, um, as this situation, and because the situation is still emerging and rolling on, um, I think it is harder for people to find a pattern.
0: Yeah, and I think it to. was already, it was already tricky in social work, wasn't it? managing mm. the the stress of work and the working conditions um, and mm. the environment and the system and then you add to that a whole additional layer of complexity around our home lives and our social lives and our relational lives in the wider context um, mm. and again you know, thinking particularly about social workers was um, survey that was running from the beginning of the pandemic by kind of July time we were looking at what are people kind of now Um, concerned about for the future there's a real concern about returning to work practicing as lockdown eases what safety will look like um, how will office environments work how will work work um, and how people can stay connected and supported by colleagues Um, so I suppose the reason we're saying this isn't isn't to make doom and gloom but just I think the first message is you know recognizing how tricky this has been and how you in a way how well social work is doing to to still be there, to still be going after
1: six months. Absolutely. And and, and actually, some people actually thriving and some teams finding amazing ways to work. Um, And one of the things that you talk about is this um, kind of um, how colleagues are connecting and supporting with each other. And one of the things that I've been finding is that, that, that a lot of teams have been very inventive around um, using, using Zoom, using WhatsApp, using social media, um, having uh, picnics in the park where everybody comes and actually just eats together mm. to, to meet with each other and then, you know, dispersing this kind of thing. So I, I think there's been lots of innovative strategies that um, social workers have been using to try and keep connected and to keep well,
0: yeah. um,
1: which is a real testament to um, the kind of individual self-care and, and resilience that people have. Yeah, and so what we want to talk about is some of those kind of
0: strategies, the big things and the, the tactics, the kind of hints and tips that that help us to mm. sustain ourselves in this environment and recognizing that, you know, the, the the message that social workers deserve to be to sustain themselves, they deserve mm, to thrive. Mm. You know, we're not um, supposed to be martyrs or heroes. We are supposed to be um, doing okay. Um, and without that, we're we're not going to be able to help others. Um, but also locating that within this wider system. And one of the things that I found interesting when we were preparing for this podcast was looking at some work from the HR zone, talking about the responsibility of leaders um mm. and the 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 importance of the way that um senior leadership care and concern can set the tone um beyond people's individual or or even kind of peer efforts um and i think that that, that sustained effort from senior managers is really
1: really crucial Um, Yeah, I agree. And one of the things that some of the authorities we've been working with have been doing is actually um, commissioning us to do coaching for their staff so their staff actually have that service on hand um, and there's no agenda with that service. It's just a support service. And I've certainly commissioned um, coaching for my own staff um, that they can just once again use those sessions just to talk about whatever it is that that they want to, and I, I think that, um, yeah, if you've got an active senior leadership team who's really thinking about what can we do to contribute to the well-being, and I think that includes things like, um, you know, making sure that people have right equipment and are able to work from home in a functional way, and being a bit curious about what kind of conditions they're working for at home, you know, how are they managing with hair, care, with home care, with childcare at home. Is anybody impacted on by the financial issues that are coming up? It's it's all that stuff, isn't it? So um Yeah, I them... think starting from the assumption that
0: all of us will be struggling in some way. Yeah and that we need to talk about it. I think the coaching approach kind of has that at its heart, doesn't it? It's 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 recognizing that everyone will need to um to have some room and some space and some support to think through their own path because the path is different than it used to be.
1: Even even just um, an opportunity to think about strategies. So, um, you know, one of the things that um, is highlighted in the HR is um, people putting in longer hours to make themselves, you know, indispensable. And also this, this um, discovering that working with colleagues and clients via screens adds a real strain and is more tiring than face-to-face interactions. Um, and and for me there's something about us acknowledging that and starting to think about how to work well in that environment rather than just seeing it as something that we've got to suck up i guess um or something we've got to manage so it's so it's kind of really using all of this information about where um where the where the pinch points are and then thinking about how to prevent them so uh, being very active Um, And the the, um, Health and Safety Executive has a great toolkit on stress called Tackling Work-Related Stress Using a Management Standards Approach. But the short title is The Stress Workbook. And um, it actually helps you work through a a step-by-step plan that looks at the whole system and gets you thinking about, what is it that we can do in this system to make it the healthiest, most helpful system possible, so that individuals can take responsibility um for their own self care and thrive? Yeah. so We'd I think really that's...
0: encourage employers to look at that um, mm. and and for us to be aware of it, we've talked about stress and working conditions before, haven't we because this is a long standing mm. issue in social work, particularly around the demands and the uncertainty and that there's always been this really wonderful mitigating factor that we have within social work's borne out really strongly in baswell research over the last couple of years that it's the relationships and the peer and management support that mediate Mm -hmm. a lot of that stress and Mm -hmm. so discovering how to do that that will work for people in a really different context yeah is it does require um us to stop and review doesn't that and um, think about okay well how do we sustain those relationships and connections and that support in a way that works for this person you know at home in Totnes compared to this person who's um, in a shared flat here or compared to this person who's going into the office once a week um, this person who's shielding you know, it's really it really has to be very individual
1: yeah i think that i think that's one of the key things and one of the things that we can do in terms when we think of self care is that we can advocate clearly and helpfully mm-hmm. for ourselves so take the time to think about what what is it that i do need that would actually make this situation as bearable for me as possible or make this situation one where i could thrive and continue to learn and, and feel on top of my game because I think not everybody's going to thrive in this situation um, but what we want is for people to be able to have as many resources as they can to manage to get to a place where they can they you can just made feel. me think of something else as well which is a risk assessment that were developed for
0: social workers to use with their employers and that includes an awareness of inequality Mm. Um, and that we're not starting from the same place, both in terms of the the risk of COVID, but the impact of COVID as well. Um, and yeah. the kinds of strategies that might be open to us. And it's sort of thinking through what are the barriers to to me personally thriving, um, mm. depending on um, on who I am, what's going on in my life, my identity and the intersectionality of different kind of factors.
1: And we have and then we have to be able to communicate that to a receptive place, don't we? Mm. so So the job of leaders is to continue to be really curious about the individual and continue to be open to hearing different stories and different approaches that will be needed and And certainly that's what I'm finding with my team, and one of the the unexpected consequences for me is that one of my team members um, who usually works in the office has actually said, "You know something." I don't think I ever need to come back to the office and actually I'd like to move to another part of the country and still work for you. And I don't, and that's perfectly fine. um, Although we'll miss it terribly, but I don't know that that option would have opened up for her actually, if it hadn't been for this six months where all of a sudden it just clicked into her. Actually, I could do this remotely remotely. And 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 be somewhere else that I need to be, yeah. and keep my job. And so sometimes, you know, um, and the risk assessment and risk management is both
0: the potential benefits and the potential drawbacks, yeah. isn't it?
1: Um, yeah, and, and, and trying to enhance there can the be benefits. benefits
0: and and mitigate yeah. or minimise the the drawbacks. Yeah. Um, so there's there's some quite practical things that employers and managers can do around helping people get support, help coaching people, finding coaching for people, um, helping them manage their time, making sure that they do continue to to have breaks and have the right mm. equipment and the right support at home um, and building some kind of team ethos. So we have seen a lot of good team support, haven't we?
1: Definitely. Yeah, and that's why I was talking about, you know, this team that had, when, when they were able to, was having, you know, lunch in the park once a week, um, but has a really healthy WhatsApp group um, and buddy systems. People actually saying this is a, a particularly for the AYSEs, because if you think about a newly qualified social worker, you're learning your practice at the kitchen table over over a kind of disembodied communication system. Um, it's going to be really important for you to have that real robust mentoring and um, understanding of the relational and human part of social work, which is so important. And, of course, we mustn't forget that many, many social workers around the world are getting on with it. They're out in their cars. They're out seeing families. They're visiting people. They're, you know – in their communities working really hard but perhaps not having the same place to go back to because I think that um, once we were able to, we would go out and if we had a difficult visit or something like that, you would come back into the office, wouldn't you, and you kind of like decompress and it would just be like, oh, you know, this happened or that happened. Um, and I think some of those decompression spaces uh, need to be attended to. Where are we decompressing now? And the other thing that's been coming up for me quite a bit is people talking about how they, if they're working from their home, their home is their base and they're going out to see people from their home and then coming back to their home or they're at home all day, how do they make psychological safe spaces in their homes where they can turn off from work? Um, It's been described as not
0: working at home, but sleeping in the office.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think work. I think you're right. The
0: debriefing and the, the demarcation between work and home, um, whether you're at home all the time or you are going out, those, those sort of natural um, chats and moments and transitions. Mm. Um, those those are things that we need to find other ways to do. Um, and there are you know, there are There is emerging learning, isn't there? There's emerging Mm, expertise in this. Um,
1: And I think it's interesting you talked about transitions because one of the things that I've been noticing with people I've been working with is that those, those very micro transitions that we used to get when we physically walked from one meeting room to another or when we physically drove to one client's home to another or when we physically um, stopped doing something and moved away to do something else, to talk to someone across, even across the, the hall. All of those little micro moments gave us a chance to process bits of work. So when we were driving in the car to and from, especially driving to work and driving home from work, and you'd be processing things in that time. And one of the things that people are finding is that what they're doing is they're going from call to call to call to call to call. So you have a 9.30 to 10 or a 9.30 to 10.30, then you have a 10.30 to 11.30, and then you have – and they're back-to-back electronic calls and people aren't building in any time to reflect in between at all. And I think that micro reflection, that's certainly something I miss. And you yeah. realise how much you were using it. So getting up and physically moving is part of self care, I think. Yeah, Just... it ties
0: back to really good research that Harry Ferguson and colleagues did at Birmingham University about how social workers reflect and that a lot of that happened in cars, as you say, between visits. Mm. Um in the those moments of transition. And he's he's written in um, during the covid nineteen um, pandemic he's written about how social workers need to still make room for that and yes. still capture that. so what sorts of things can we do i 'm just thinking about what i do i i 'm really fortunate that I have a study and
1: mm-hmm. I can
0: close the door on it. I also have a small courtyard just outside my study, so I can go from my study to the back door, open the back door, and step outside, and look at the sky. Um, I do try and do that between things but I don't do it enough by
1: any means Mm. Um, have lunch like read proper lunch at your table with you with people so if your husband and you're working from home or your partner or your flatmate or whoever is working from home if you have someone in the house with you actually stop and have lunch with them you know make your sandwich half an hour have a little chat but certainly a lunch break
0: is is crucial we weren't good at that before um, no
1: we weren't we yes <laughs> and it's always
0: been it 's always been really vital, and then I guess the the start and the end of the day as well, yeah. how that looks
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I did used to work from home anyway, and sometimes I would work from home in my pajamas um, since lockdown i haven 't ever done that, and that 's yeah. felt quite important that I got dressed for work
1: yes I do every too. day yep I think that I, I I agree I get up I get dressed i put put my face on and I, you know, get ready for the day because I want to present to other people that I am ready for work and also uh, I'm a kind of present a, an image of caring for myself but also caring for them enough to to be, you know, to, to, to be looking as if I'm present and attending, even on some days when I haven't felt like that because actually I've got to say I haven't had the greatest pandemic. It hasn't like been, you know, all all bells and whistles. as and it having one of for... the people
0: juggling work and ch- childcare, and home yeah, and schooling. and
1: and a home renovation. Mm. Um, yeah, and all sorts of things. So actually, there have been times where I have just felt that I would rather stay in bed, or that I would rather stay in my pajamas, or that I would just rather feel a bit miserable, really, um, and having a shower and having a routine during the week has been really helpful, I think. Mm-hmm. So, but also being kind to yourself. Sometimes you do need to just go and sit down and read a mag for mm-hmm. 10 minutes or so. I just I just think we – so one of the things about social work is that we tend to be on call. We tend to be available and on tap. And one of the things that this system has done for us is it's made made it easy for everybody to grab us. So a lot of people like me, I'm sure, find appointments put in their diary all the time. So people are going through my diary. They're looking at it. They're seeing a slot. They're putting something in. Um, And so I feel that I have less control Mm -hmm. over the demands that are coming in on me. And so one of the things my team's been talking about is putting into the diary actively a month ahead our um, paperwork time, our preparation time and things. Like. I'm really marking it out in the diary strongly so that our diaries just don't look as if we're just constantly available. Yeah. Um, and I think we do need to
0: um, be kind to ourselves in taking action if we're starting to feel overwhelmed, mm. um, particularly if you're on your own or you're not connected in to, to start to recognize when things are getting overwhelming and taking yourself, stepping away from it, and seeking help, and um, whether that's a phone call to someone or it's a text message saying, "I am having a really bad day, please call me," um, and yeah. whatever would actually work for um, for you to recover. And accept
1: that we that we that we actually all are not okay. Like it, in, on some level, this has been a national shock, an international shock, um, and so therefore all of us will have some impact from that, even if it's only touched our lives very lightly. um, You know, the international scenario is huge. And so whether it's that you just haven't been able to go on your summer holiday and feel at ease with that, and that's something you do every year, or whether it's um, I was talking to someone yesterday who was meant to be getting married this weekend, um, and so they've delayed that until next year. Um, so you know that's a big impact. There's, there's losses there's all, everywhere, aren't there? There's yeah. losses everywhere, and, and that's people. Also, people have lost people. I mean, you know, many people have died, and that's a loss and a grief as well. So I th- I think that we we need to acknowledge that, um, and not kind of try and brush it off and not lose ourselves in it either, one of the things that I've been using a lot, mm-hmm. which has been really helpful, has been um, the BASWA Social Work Toolkit. Um, just I'm just trying to find the proper name of it. I did write it down here somewhere. Is this the Working Conditions Toolkit? Yes, thank you. Yeah. The Working Conditions Toolkit. It's well helpful, you know, and it has some lovely little – checklists and things in it that really start to make you think and one of them is just a simple daily well-being checklist and it talks about a few things we can all do each day or each week or each month to maintain our mental and physical health and certainly it's written pre-COVID in a way so so there's an and and it's for after COVID as well so it's imagining when we get back to um to a different world, but it talks about things like, um, at the end of the day, have you handed over any outstanding tasks? So I think for me, when you're by yourself in your office, who is in your own house? Who is it you've told your worries to for the day? Or who is it you've handed things over to? You know, how is your your kind of supervision and your um, multi-agency working and your using of processes and those things? And then, you know, is there anything you need to talk about at the end of the day, something you need to debrief and who is your person that you can check in with? So, and these are, you know, really useful things. You know, are you actually undertaking exercise? Mm -hmm. Have you met with your line managers and actually had a constructive discussion? Are you able to ask your peers for support? Have you had a reflective supervision session in the last month? And these are things that are really, that we know are really helpful for social work practitioners that we don't want people to lose during COVID. I think that's a really important point. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I've been using this with workers, some of them have said no to everything. And so then it's been a bit of a wake up for them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and some have, and the fact that it can be done and is done in some places, I think. Is something to hang on to that um, these are not impossible um, tasks are they to sustain our well-being they're things that we know that we've got really good evidence of and that um, are possible so it's Mm. about um, all of us doing what we're able to do to make these things happen Um, so I was thinking kind of to finish that we probably it's not so much about reflective questions it's more kind of reflective statements that this is a really difficult time mm. and um you know everyone every single one of us will need some support to keep going and so let's all try and commit to finding the time and the space to understand what that is for ourselves and where mm. we have the power to find what that is for other people around us as well
1: mm. And to be kind, I think that's really more important than ever at the moment, to be kind to ourselves, to be kind to others um, and to try as hard as we can to, you know, make make the time to, to think of ourselves properly and carefully and caringly and caringly you know, not let the demand overwhelm us. And we hope that, you know, everybody um, has found this useful and that you're able to do something to care for yourself today.